0: Today's Bible reading comes from Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Hebrews, chapter 10, starting at verse 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body and since we have a great priest over the house of god let us draw near to god with sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water let us let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching.
1: Thank you Janine very much uh, for reading for us. Let me add my welcome uh, to Michael's from earlier uh, and welcome to those of you joining us uh, online as well. Uh, it 's a great passage uh, that we 've just read to, to be looking at this week um, at a point for our nation of, uh, of such significant loss uh, and for the royal family in particular. The passage you notice probably uh, speaks of that great sort of three um, essentials of the Christian faith um, of faith and hope uh, and love, um, and uh, reminds us that those things are, are not rooted. In wishful thinking, but rooted in all that Christ has achieved. Um, Why don't I pray that um, uh, these great trees, faith, hope, love, uh, would be real to the Queen uh, and to the royal family, but also to us as we look at this passage together? Father God, we pray uh, this morning uh, for Her Majesty the Queen, asking that in her grief she will be sustained by her faith. Thank you that the things we're considering this morning. The things of which this passage speaks, I think is that they're realities in her life. We pray that she will find comfort in her loss, hope in the face of death, strength for each day. And we pray that you might speak to us by your spirit as we look at these verses together. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we are beginning this, um, as well as continuing on through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which we're going to do, get through chapters uh, 6 and 7, uh, dotted in through this, uh, this term are occasional talks where we're sort of thinking about faith in the face of the pandemic, just thinking about this extraordinary period that we've lived through, sort of period of history unlike uh, anything that we've known, um, and thinking, well, what does the Bible have to say? Uh, What's a perspective of the Christian faith upon some of the things that have happened, that are are happening, as we begin to emerge uh, from uh, the pandemic? Um, And first up, we're going to a verse that has been pretty prominent in thinking about pandemic-type things over uh, the last year. Um, It's uh, there at the end of our passage in verse uh, 25, which says uh, that we are to not be giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Tricky little verse in the light of all that's been going on over the past year. Um, I found this on social media recently. If your church is closed because it obeys the government's orders over God's word, then your pastor is a coward and your church is in sin. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Putting us in our place. On the other hand, um, are those who are saying, I can't believe you're even thinking of meeting and putting people's lives at risk. How dare you do such a thing? which which makes it an interesting time, really, to be engaging uh, with decisions around church and what to do uh, and all the rest of it. Strong feelings um, are stirred um, around this territory. So as we begin, let's stand back and say, well, what is church anyway? Because in a sense, if church is just singing a few songs, listening to a talk, saying amen at the end of a few prayers and then drinking a cup of coffee, then let's face it, we could actually do that much more efficiently at home. You know, all of those things can be, can be done neatly, tidily at home. I mean, you know, those of you at home, you, you've done all of those. Um, why did we bother coming in, those of us in the building? A bit of a waste of time, wasn't it? Except, of course, as we know, church is far more than all of that. And virtual church, there is so much that is missing. The hand on somebody's arm as their eyes fill with tears. A newcomer, welcomed for the first time. The gut feeling you get gazing at somebody during the course of the service, that they don't look quite right. So you catch up with them afterwards, ask if they're okay. The hairs on the back of your neck, standing up, as we join together in song, as we sing the praises of God and remember his holiness. The sense that we get as we sing that, that this is family, that we're a part of something much bigger than us, brought together in a community of faith. The phone call that says, is everything all right? I haven't seen you in church recently, Are you Okay. And it's all those little snatches of conversation, just the brief ones, as we share updates about health concerns, holiday plans, worries about the kids, worries about the parents, exams that are looming, rumours, redundancies, finances that are tight, family dynamics that are strayed, prayers that have been answered, friendships that are struggling, a Bible verse that is encouraged, just those little snatches that take place uh, in a moment, in a flash, as we gather together. About a year ago, um, I heard the pandemic being described both as a a disruptor and an accelerator. Um, And we get the disruptor bit. We've had lots of disruption. Um, But the idea of it being an accelerator was that there are various um, trends in our culture, um, not necessarily good trends, but, but trends that were beginning to develop, which have been sort of swooshed forwards, accelerated, uh, as a result of the pandemic. And, and I can't help wondering if one of those trends that might not have been accelerated is the, the trend to, to engage with church as consumers. Uh, to, to interact as observers. Because let's face it, when, when our, our mode of engagement with church is via a TV screen, then how easy it is to, to drop into consumer mode. You know, am, am I being entertained? You know, am I enjoying this? And, and come to that, I wonder what other churches there are. You know, when from the comfort of your sofa and the flick of a remote control switch, you can, you, can, you can flip around a number of different churches to find one that is more engaging, more entertaining. Well, when, when we're doing that, uh, when that kind of mode of interaction is easy, when I'm asking, you know, what am I getting out of this? Well, no wonder consumer mode all too easily kicks in. And I'm going to be surprised if the, the impact of, of a year of doing church in that kind of way um, will evaporate very easily. My guess is there will be habits that have been created in us that will take a little time to, to shrug off. So as God willing, uh, we begin to, to resume church as, or be allowed to resume church as, as it used to be, uh, in terms of numbers coming and so on. Um, I think it'd be good to, to do a little bit of thinking about some of the habits that we may need to get rid of, and then maybe more positively, some, of, some better habits than perhaps we've ever had um, in relation uh, to the way that we do church. Um, and, and that's why we're going to look very briefly um, at these verses from Hebrews chapter 10. It's a great post-Easter passage, actually, isn't it? Um, just last, um, just at Easter, Good Friday at Eden Baptist, we were looking um, at that passage that speaks of that fantastic moment as the the temple curtain is is ripped in two from top to bottom, symbolically demonstrating that access to God is now possible, that that Jesus' death has done that, um, allowed us uh, to to come into God's presence, purified us uh, by the shedding of his blood, so that now we are acceptable to him. Um, and almost certainly it's that incident that our writer's got in mind here. As, um, uh, as this passage speaks of uh, the moment when uh, a new and living way is opened up for us through the curtain. That is his body. And actually our writers spent nine chapters spelling that out. Nine chapters describing how it is that, that Jesus' death has, has established the, the one true sacrifice for sin, how Jesus is now the great high priest. And, and he spelt nine chapters working on that. And, and this is the sort of the, the turning point when now towards the end of the letter, uh, he sets out some of the implications of that, uh, of the way in which uh, we can and we should be um, as believers uh, in community together. Um, and so we come to, to what have been called the salad verses. Because they contain so many lettuces. It's such a terrible joke, that. I heard that when I, was, when I was young. I've never been able to get it out of my hand. Uh, you, you've seen it, don't you? First, uh, the first lettuce is in verse 22. Let us draw near to God. Uh, then there's another one in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. And then the third letter is in verse 24, let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds. I'm sorry. It's a bad joke. Apologies. Apologies to you at home. Sorry about that. Um, anyway, uh, we're going to do the first two more briefly and then, and then the third a little bit slower. Uh, first then, draw near to God. Um, verse 19, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way Open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Notice that the the manner of this drawing near is to, to, to be done with confidence. The original word has the sense of speaking freely. And you will know that there are all sorts of circumstances in which we don't speak freely. We don't speak freely at a job interview. Uh, if you've got any sense, you don't speak freely as you come up to the uh, to the, the the border agency as you're trying to get into the United States. Um, you don't speak freely in a viva in an exam. In those sort of circumstances, you speak very carefully. You choose your words very precisely, fearful that at any moment you might sort of you know you might misstep, um, say the wrong word. Um, and, uh, and, and sort of get into all sorts of trouble. But by contrast, there are times uh, where we speak absolutely freely. And I heard a lovely illustration of, of sort of... It's a bit like a six-year-old who just bursts in to, to find mum and dad and demanding that they come outside to play. And and they just sort of blurt it out. They just say exactly what they want. And they're not choosing their words carefully. They're not bothered about saying slightly the wrong thing. No, no, no. They speak absolutely freely. Why? Well, because they're with mum and dad who love them. And so there's a free confidence granted. well, Well, that's what's being spoken of here. And though social distancing restrictions may continue. Though restrictions on a singing go on, though limitations on what we're able to do with Lord's Supper, though coffee restrictions also exist, there is no restriction to our drawing near to God. Nothing hinders this access. And wonderfully, as a people together, that's what we're able to do. So, First, draw near to God. Then, second, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. You notice that our passage, this little section, begins and ends with a day. It begins with the day that the temple curtain was torn. And it ends with the day that is approaching, which is the last day, the day when God brings this creation to an end and brings into being a new creation Um, and that means that we live you and I in sandwich between those two great days we live in what the bible calls the last days and what our writer is is urging us to do here is to is to say that as you live through these last days don't don't tail off don't fizzle out this was written to believers who were facing hard times. Um, where persecution was growing, uh, where it was a dangerous thing to be a Christian. And, and with a temptation to, to kind of go soft on the faith, to, to, to drift back out of the faith and to drift back into the, the life that these believers used to live. To, to fit back in with the culture that they... Uh, that they'd come from, the culture that went on around them. That temptation was growing. And so our writer is, is urging them to hold unswervingly to the distinctive hope that they have in order to be part of the distinctive community that they've been called into. We, we've all heard those funny stories, haven't we, about, um, uh, about people swimming across the Channel Tunnel. Um, on foggy days and um, how they, they, they couldn't see uh, the, the shoreline ahead of them and, and so they eventually gave up sort of you know 10 or 12 inches just before they were going to get to the edge you know because they couldn't see it and so sort of abandoned hope um, and how they came back and did it on a sunny day and then, and then it was easy because they could see the, the coastline in front of them and sort of whoosh away they went like a sort of jet engine. Um, I mean, I mean, they're good stories, aren't they? Because they make the point that it's hard to keep going if you can't see where you're going. But if you can see your destination, if you have clear in your sights what it is that you're headed towards, it helps you to persevere, and, that, and that's the idea here. Hold unswervingly to the hope that you have. With the eyes of faith, see the day approaching with a new creation. So it's what, what we're reminded of, again, as we, you know, we're reminded of death. You know, what, what we're persuaded of in the Christian faith is that this, these are the shadow lands. This is not the life that lasts. There is a life that lasts. There is an eternity. There is a new creation to be a part of. And Christ has won us a place in that. By faith, we believe that. So, draw near to God. Uh, Second, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Uh, And then thirdly, slightly longer, let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. It's a huge Bible theme, this. Over and over again, the New Testament writers um, Press upon us this, sort of, this idea of the one another nature of the church community and of the, and of the presence and the importance of love. Um, just, just listen to a few examples. Let me persuade you that the New Testament is big on this. Okay? It's going to go through these quickly. Here you go. Uh, this is my command, Jesus said love each other, let no debt remain outstanding. Accept the continuing debt to love one another. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. You yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Above all, love each other deeply. This is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I ask that we love one another. Just a barrage. I mean, that's, not, that's not an exhaustive list either. Uh, we could have kept going a little bit longer. There are so many verses in the New Testament making this point. And, and there's nothing sentimental about the love that is being described Here. Now, loving one another well in the community of faith is hard work. Which is is why we're told to spur one another on. It's an interesting little word, actually, um, that that sits behind that idea of spurring one another on. The the, the literal meaning is to to irritate, to provoke. Hence, kind of spur, like sharp thing that you dig inside of horse um, in order to persuade it to do what you want it to do. That's the sense here. Irritating, provoking, urging, spurring uh, one another on to do what we're supposed to do. Honest community life does that. You you understand that? The the church is not an optional extra for a Christian believer. Christianity knows nothing of solitary Christians. Christians. No, to commit to Christ is to commit to his body, the church. It's a non-negotiable as far as the Bible is concerned. And, and, and don't confuse church with friendship group either. They're not the same. No, no we choose our friends. We select out the, the people that we like and we sort of slide past the people that we don't like. Church doesn't work like that. It doesn't permit us that kind of selectivity. Uh, but because it, church sort of throws us together with a whole range of different people, different backgrounds, different temperaments, people that we wouldn't choose as our friends, because it throws us together in a community with people like, unlike us, that we are nevertheless called to love, it teaches us to be like Christ. It irritates and provokes us in that way. See, it's, it's easy loving someone who's lovely. The question is, can you love someone who's irritating? Or at least that you find irritating. Uh, and do you find that that actually tells you more about you Than it does about them. When we love like Christ in that kind of way, it becomes a sort of virtuous cycle, if I can put it like that. We love other people and provide, therefore, an example, an illustration of Christ like love that they, in turn, can imitate as they love others and become an example themselves. And that sort of virtuous circle is you know, that, 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 we, that we all become both imitators of Christ and examples of Christ to others. That's where the, the community is intended to work. The, the whole community energised by the love that we have all experienced from Christ himself. And then we imitate that love uh, and it grows. Founded on all that Christ has done for us, and this love also requires our presence, our physical presence. That's what's made this past year so hard. uh, Is the way in which the possibility of interacting with one another physically has been interrupted. We know that love like this thrives on physical connections. Uh, you, you just think about it. I mean, I don't know, somebody's arriving at, at Heathrow. And, um, of course, we could, we could send a taxi. And, and it might be a very nice posh car. And there might be loads of space for all their luggage. But actually, something in us knows that it's much better to be greeted at Heathrow by a friendly face from the church family. And much better to squeeze into a tiny little Fiat Punto and rattle your way back up the motorway. So actually that is what we prefer. Or, or somebody's sick. We could just arrange for the delivery of some Just Eat vouchers. And you could, you know, you could choose whatever you want from whatever takeout delivery you're going to go for. But again, we know that somehow it is a better thing if evening after evening another sausage and bean casserole arrives on our doorstep with a friendly face and a smile and a bit of a chat. Because community and physical presence in that kind of way matters to us. In all sorts of ways, God calls us to echo his incarnation he came out of heaven to come and be present with us. And every time we move towards another person in love, we're providing just a tiny echo of the way in which God has moved towards us in grace. It's why virtual church won't do. There's so much more to community life than hearing a talk, singing a few songs, saying Amen at the end of a few prayers. It's not less than that, but it is so, so much more. So to five just quick practicalities as we finish. First, if you are new to Christchurch, uh, maybe if, you've, if you are joining us online and, and you haven't yet connected with us, then please would you do that. We would love you to. Um, use the office as a means of, sort of, uh, of, of us connecting you with others in the church family. Uh, come to that welcome evening uh, that Michael was talking about earlier. Second, if you're not in a small group, join one. That's where so many expressions of this spurring one another on and encouraging one another takes place. We need that. It, it, it won't happen as we sit on our sofas. It won't even really happen through the the, the fleeting conversations, uh, important as they are, over Zoom coffee or when eventually we can meet again in the hall downstairs for coffee. It happens in small groups where things can go a bit deeper, uh, where relationships can be established at greater depth. Third, if you've not yet got back uh, to being in church physically, Uh, then please do that as soon as you can. Uh, Some people will need to stay away for longer. Um, uh, We know that. But as soon as it's possible, do get back into the habit of of being here physically uh, with the community of faith again. Fourth, if you've not yet done any spurring one another on today, then would you do that before the day is out? Send a text, make a phone call, meet up with a friend. Speak a word of encouragement. Tell them something you appreciate about them. Notice a gift that they have. Tell them a Bible verse uh, that has been precious to you in these last days. Appreciate something that they have done. And finally, if you're aware of somebody in need then reach out to them. Don't hang back, assuming, oh, there'll be somebody else who'll do it. No, 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 seize the opportunity yourself uh, to reach into the life of another uh, with this Christ-like love. And do all of these things, all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me lead us uh, in a prayer before we sing. Our Father God, what a a precious gift you have given to us uh, in uh, church Uh, by giving us brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, those around us who can uh, spur us on uh, towards love and good deeds, Uh, that we might learn to imitate Christ, uh, being examples to others. Uh, even as we learn from others. Uh, Father God, help us uh, to do all of these things uh, with faith, uh, setting our hope on all that lies ahead and learning to love as Christ has loved us. And we ask it in his name. Amen.